morning. You guys sounded great this morning. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Melissa Forgey. I serve here as the executive pastor, and I get to be the second string today. Pastor Bill is in Disneyland. I'm sure rocking his Disney ears and having a great time. So um, I get to be here with you today. Um, and uh, Christmas is almost here. So uh, who has already finished all their Christmas shopping? I know there has to be one of you in the room. Lenny, you're done? Lenny's done. <laughs> His wife just said no, but okay, all right, it's fine. We can work on that and re-engage, guys. All right, so um, this season, this time of year, you see two people, their personalities come out. You have the people who um, are really good at giving gifts, right? Um, and then the people who tend to struggle at giving gifts. Um, I love to give a good gift. I like to think about it and and really find something, and um, I love the adventure of it. And my husband now, uh, in our marriage now, he's a really good gift giver. Um, we went to France a few years ago and just experienced this amazing hospitality through a friend of a friend in France. Um, and they invited us to their home, and they had this, like, huge spread for us, this fancy tea set, and just gorgeous. And I remember telling Matt, I want a fancy tea set so I can do that for my friends um, back home, which I've literally never have done that, but get a solo cup at my house, but you know, it's fine. But, um, but um, a few months later, Matt gave me the most incredible, I love antiques, um, and uh, this pre-World War I hand-painted tea set. I, don't know, I think we have a picture of it. Um, and no one else will think that's beautiful, but I just love it. And so um, not only is it pretty, but it also matched the brand of China that I was gifted. So he like eBayed and like researched and just like, just, just did all these wonderful things to give me this super thoughtful gift. And I was just floored. It was so sweet. Um, but when we were early married, he was not as good as getting, giving gifts. Okay. And so we were early married and Matt, one holiday anniversary or something, gave me a heart shaped diamond pendant. It was really sweet. It was pretty. Just kind of not my jam, you know, but it was like I really appreciated it. Kind of tucked it away in the jewelry box, and I was like, oh, that's so sweet, you know. And then um, the next year came, and I get a little box for whatever, and I open it, and it's a, like, heart-shaped diamond pendant. I'm like, okay. Uh, um, again, still not my jam, but it was very sweet, and, I, you know, I was like, okay, I, you know, um, he's telling me he loves me in the most literal way by giving me a heart. That's great. Um, and then the third year comes, three years in a row, get a little box, open it. It's a heart-shaped diamond pendant. I'm like, okay, i got to help this guy out. So I go in my drawer box. I pull out the other two pendants, and I show him. And he goes, oh, those look like the one I just got you. I was like, yeah. He goes, I never see you wear those. Yeah. You know? Um, so... I was like, can I show you some things that I like, you know, to help you get a win? And he was so sweet, and he said yes. And he really made an effort, has made an effort to, like, move forward, like, studying, listening, paying attention to the things that make me happy or the things that I like. Um, and just change, you know, as he was getting to know me better, just change the way that he cared for me and sees me. And he's a great guy. He's an awesome guy. He gives great gifts. I love to tease him about it because you guys tease him about it afterwards, so it's awesome. Um, but he's married to a pastor, so everything's fair game for sermon illustration. But, you know, so, and as he got to know me, 
you know, he was, he was getting to know my personality, what made me happy. It, it changed when he started to figure out who I am, how we interacted. And, and as believers, that, that's how we are in our relationship with the Lord, is that when we understand the who, it changes the what, the where, the when, the how in our lives. Um, we're starting a new short series called Inside Out. Have you guys seen that Disney movie, Inside Out? Have you guys seen that? Um, the little girl in the movie is named Riley, and she's dealing with all of her emotions at one time. And I don't know if this is a coincidence, but my name is, daughter's name is Ryan, and she deals with all her emotions at the same time. So I feel like it might be for us. But anyway, so uh, just looking at how God transforms us, and then that entails in, in turns us outward and how we interact with differently with the world. Um, and we're going to be looking at the spiritual disciplines of scripture study, Bible study, and prayer. And some of you guys may not study or struggle with these things. Uh, the vast majority of people that I interact with do struggle with scripture, reading scripture and prayer. Um, and I think it's because we approach it in a very like checklist, commercialized business way. You know, it's like Matt saw the commercial, you love your wife, give her a heart pendant, and he said, okay, and he did it, checklist, I've loved my wife, right? So, you know, we, we tend to do that. We, we go to church, check. Um, you know, uh, we read a chapter a day, check, you know, prayer, same prayer before bed and dinner, check, check, you know, and, and, and we're done. And th- listen, hear me. There's nothing wrong with that daily obedience and doing those things. I'm not saying that at all. Um, we're called to be obedient and to be interacting with scripture. Um, but we are looking today at how it is impacting us. Is it transforming us? Is it making us different in how we live our lives? Um, and I, I really, like, I wanted to go back to, like, okay, what is the basics definition? So I got on the Googles, and it's like, what is Bible study? At the most basic, we think of it, you know, we think of it as, oh, Bible study is a group or a class I go to or, you know, a study I do or whatever. But at the most basic, it's the analysis of the Bible. So we're learning information about the Bible, God, the people, and events in it, Okay. But 2 Timothy gives us a great uh, look at what Scripture is. Scripture is inspired by God. It is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So let's break this down. I love the way that the Greek, um, uh, the translation in the Greek, it means God, Scripture is God-breathed. It is God-breathed. So human authors put um, the words on paper, so to speak, through their own perspectives and, and styles, but the ultimate source of information and inspiration was divine. Uh, the Bible itself is a, an extension of God's will formed out of his spirit in the written form. And scripture is helpful and useful in lots of areas of our life, but Paul gives us four. Okay, so teaching to instruct us how to know God better, okay, um, for rebuking, so the idea of exposing or identifying sin. Third is correction, um, points out sin, and God, so faithful that he doesn't just say, hey, you're wrong, but he also gives us a solution, which is nice of him because we need it. Um, and lastly, it is training in righteousness, so training that is focused on the practical application of this truth. The Bible is God revealing himself to us showing us his heart, showing us his character, showing us his will for our lives and the call on our lives to be disciples. 
And so I try to think, okay, at the core, what is a Bible, what does Bible study do? What is it meant for? At the core, it is to fill our hearts with awe and wonder of God and his goodness. It is to open our eyes and our hearts to all the things that God is doing. Me coming to know the Lord and reading that, that our world is breathed from him. When I go and I see the stars in the sky and I see the mountains or the, the vastness of the oceans, I see it differently because I understand who the creator is and who created what I'm looking at. And prayer is something that we get really twisted up in church. The Google definition of it is prayer is an act that seeks to activate a relationship through the object of our worship through intentional communication. Okay, sounds like a memo, okay, to activate the relationship. Um, we see in First Thessalonians, that's a mouthful, 517, two words, pray constantly. It's a conversation with God. It is our time to go to the Lord, and, and it's where we praise him and thank him and plead with him and ask him questions and worship and argue with him and all the things. This is a communication. Like any relationship, there has to be communication. Without communication, I would have 500 diamond heart pendants. But communication is what helps us understand and understand each other better. And so it's like, why are these things important? Well, we're in church. Of course, you're going to tell me reading the Bible and praying is important. It's kind of obvious. Okay, duh. But most of us interact with our faith only one hour a week. Most of us only have any interaction with our faith one hour a week. And then we wonder why the rest of our lives feel really disconnected or, or unstable. And we can't expect anything to be healthy through communicating one hour a week or interacting one hour a week. It's like I want a six-pack, so I work out on one day, and then I eat Cheetos and binge Netflix the other six days. I'm not going to get a six-pack. I'm not going to be very healthy. My marriage isn't going to be healthy if I'm only talking to my husband one hour a week. So those relationships have to be tended to. They have to be, they have to be dealt with. They have to be prioritized. And they have to be ongoing and constant. So pray constantly. It's an ongoing conversation with the Lord. And the word spiritual discipline or discipline freaks us out. Like, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> okay? Discipline is telling me what to do, and I'm going to rebel and not do it. Okay? Don't tell me I have to do something. But what if we treated prayer and Bible study like we do our relationships? We tend to them. We nurture them. We prioritize them. We understand that this interaction is going to make me better. So as I have interactions, I'm studying my husband. I'm getting to know him. I'm going to be a better wife to him because I understand him more. What if we treated our interactions with scripture and prayer like that? That it will make our relationship stronger, better, more satisfying, more full. I love that my husband has learned how to love me well. Um, our relationship is stronger and better for it. But he didn't do that to be, like, smarter about Melissa, you know. He did it to express his love for me better. And that's why we spend time with God, is to express his love for us better and to understand it better. And studying God's word means to study God himself. And, and the intention is to fill our hearts with awe and wonder about our creator, and prayer is the expression of that wonder and awe. 
And sometimes the expression is questioning, Lord, tell me how, tell me why. Sometimes it's thank you. I know there's a lot to be desired in these definitions, and we'll fill in some gaps here in a second. But to wonder or be wondered in is to be transfixed, amazed, pulled in about what is to come. And most of us approach the Bible, like I need to read the Bible to be smarter about the Bible, like we're going to Jeopardy or Trivia or something. Or maybe to look like we're good Christians. The goal or the point of reading scripture and talking to God is to look more and more like Jesus every single day of our lives. It changes who we are and how we interact with the world and others in it. And the gospel has shaped us to long and crave the goodness of God. When you interact with Jesus and you come into relationship with him, everything changes. What our soul begins to crave is so different. And it's crazy because we all come into relationship with Jesus the same way. Now, different experiences, different um, interactions and, and, and whatever, but we all come to him at the end of ourselves. We have recognized our brokenness. We have recognized how deeply we need a Savior, and we say, God, I can't carry this weight alone. I need you. We're remade, given a new life, a new identity to be transformed by Jesus. So why is Bible study important? Why is prayer important? Because it reshapes our identity. It reshapes who, our, who we believe we are. See, we begin to see ourselves through the lens of Christ and who Christ has called us to be. One of the most beautiful things that you see in Scripture time and time again, that it reminds us that we can come to Jesus just how we are. Broken, messed up, hurting, but he will not leave us there. It shows us how to love people. It shows us how to receive love. It shows us how much Jesus loves us. And we, we believe a lot of lies about ourselves. Um, some have been placed upon us and we have taken them on as identity. Some we have cultivated through choices or behaviors. Um, scripture tells us the truth about ourselves, the good and the bad. But it is a constant reminder that Jesus is not going to leave you where he found you. And I've struggled with this. I've struggled with my identity um, my whole life. I've struggled with shame and, and guilt. Um, I grew up in a home that was pretty chaotic, very abusive. And I didn't feel loved or wanted or valued in my four walls. And it really shaped the way I viewed myself. I felt unlovable. I felt unworthy. Um, I felt like I had to prove my value. I had to give you something to feel valuable, to feel worthy, to be in your presence, that you wouldn't just love me for me. And it impacted this identity that I began to craft as a young child, impacted me and, and was shaped through my whole young adulthood. And it impacted every decision I made, every relationship that I was in. And in college, I found myself in a relationship that 100% affirmed that poisonous identity that I had adopted and cultivated. And um, I found myself pregnant. And I um, made the choice to have an abortion. And I fell into a deeper, darker identity of like, 
see I'm proving to the world how unlovable I am, how unworthy I am, um, how horrible of a person I am. And I believe that I had to earn my value to even be in a space. And I would, you know, even if I was doing my best or the best at something or, you know, working the hardest or achieving something, I just, I, I always in the back of my mind thought, if they really knew who I was, they would know I'm a total fraud. Even when good things were happening, I just didn't feel like worthy of them. And when Matt and I got married, you know, we just thought, well, we won't do what our parents did and we'll be fine and marriage will be like sunshine and roses, right? Surprisingly, it began to fall apart rather quickly. <laughs> um, and I just didn't believe that he loved me. I just didn't believe that this nice guy, like when he would do something nice to me, I thought he wanted something from me. I never believed that I was just worthy of good things, this good man. God gave us two kids, and, you know, like, he's so faithful in that to um, give us children, and we're so grateful, and I'm so grateful to be their mom, but I didn't feel like I deserved it. I didn't feel like I was worthy to be their mom or have a happy life. Um, and he was just going to leave anyways. And so kind of at the end of a bad time, I just told him, I said, I want to get a divorce. Let's just go our separate ways. We'll be happier. And um, the, the next day, Matt went to church. We never went to church. I didn't grow up in church at all. Matt did um, in the Catholic church some. And um, but he went to church, and he came home um, that day. He said, before we do anything, before we talk to any attorney, you have to come to church with me. And so I did, uh, really begrudgingly, and I actually kind of sat a seat away from him with my arms crossed to let everybody know I was unhappy to be there. Um, but this pastor was talking about love, of course, and just talking about how deeply we were already loved and that we had to understand that to be able to understand how to love. And that hit me between the eyes really hard. And as someone who did not believe I was worthy of love, um, deep down, you know, I, just, I didn't believe that if he really knew who I was, he would love me. It took some convincing. And I'll be honest, Google was like my best friend. I would read something in church, and then I would go Google it and try to figure out what it meant. And um, I would read the scriptures, and then I would Google it. And I would read the scriptures, and I would reread them. And I would, like, always trying to disprove them. I was always trying to disprove them. But something was happening as I was reading these scriptures. My heart was softening. Something was happening in Matt and I individually. We weren't talking about it, but something was happening. And, and one day the pastor was talking about, you know, receiving Christ as our Savior, that the, he promises us this new life, this new way to walk forward, this new identity. And I just remember sitting there thinking, I actually believe this. I believe this to be true. I've tried so hard to disprove it, and I believe it. And I went home like a good early young believer does, and I Googled how to accept Christ. And a prayer popped up. I would never tell you to do that now. I know better now. But a prayer popped up. And I remember falling in front of my computer onto my knees. And for the first time, instead of asking God to change Matt, I asked him, change me. Save me. Heal me. Love me. 
And it wasn't immediate, the change. <laughs> it wasn't immediate. I opened my eyes and everything was better. But something was happening. My identity began to get reshaped. I began to just ingest the word. A great Bible teacher named Christy McClellan, she talks about approaching the word as a feast. How we sit in front of it and we, we savor it and it, we allow it to nourish our bodies and our souls. And I began to understand the truth of scripture and what it does for us. And I found three scriptures and I just white knuckled hung on to those. Romans 5 says, not only do we boast in our, not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know affliction produces endurance, endurance proving character. And proven character produces hope, and hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, for rarely will someone die for just a person. Though a good person, perhaps someone may dare to die, but God proves his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This verse changed my life forever. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As someone who is desperately feeling unforgivable, to hear that truth and to read it was one I prayed many times. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed and the new has come. These scriptures are like a balm to my soul. And they ignited a passion for the word and for Jesus. And I just clung to those verses, y'all. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know what to say. So I would just read those verses over and over and over to the Lord. Help me believe and accept this truth. Prayer and studying the scripture reshapes our identity. And then it begins to change the way that we view ourselves, others, and how we re interact with them. See, my identity before and this false identity that was built on lies, that was built on pain, that was built on toxicity, it constantly had me working to prove myself. So my eyes were always on me. Always. I was always worried about what you thought of me, what someone thought of me. I just assumed you were thinking about me or talking about me. No one think about me and talk about me. But I assumed that. And a, an identity rooted in Christ, my focus was building a relationship with him and then reflecting that relationship outward. So always, instead of always be look, looking at myself, I began to look outward and realize God was calling me to share what he was doing in me with them. And it wasn't because I needed to sound smarter or sound like a perfect Christian or whatever. It was to articulate the great work that he was doing in my life. Christy McClellan says this to her students. You haven't learned a thing when you've seen it. You haven't learned a thing when you've heard it. You haven't learned a thing when you've seen it and heard it. You learned a thing when you can give it away. That's what being disciplined in God's word and taking time to talk with him did. It allowed me to give away what he was doing in me and articulate what God had done for me and how it changed my life. It is obvious that prayer and Bible study is important. We know that. But the question I get most of the time is where do I start? 
And here's what we do in the church is that I think is we do a disservice to all, me included. We say, as you know. As you know. I don't know. I remember sitting in church and the pastor said, as you know, John 3.16. And everybody started reciting it. There's a six-year-old boy reciting John 3.16 next to me. I don't know what the heck he was talking about. How does he know? I don't know it. I don't know. We have to go back to the basics of things and be okay with doing that. So where do we start? I think we have to decide, what's your relationship with Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you believe that he lived and died for us? That he rose again on the third day? Do you believe the gospel? You have to define the relationship called DTR. Define the relationship. You have to define your relationship with Jesus. And maybe you're not there. That's okay. But at least you know where you are. So we have to start there. And I'm going to share some things that we talk about in students a lot, okay? Do you have a Bible, a physical Bible, like a physical Bible? I don't care if it's a pink baby Bible. Do you have a Bible, okay? And a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know what kind of Bible to get. Listen, we have Bibles out and on the Connect desk. We'll have those out for you. You can take one. They're free. Take one. Enjoy it. If you want to get your own fancy, cute Bible, get one off Amazon. We use a Christian standard Bible here. It's the version on the spine. That's what we use, okay? But have a physical Bible. I know we have the Bible at our fingertips and our phones, but if you're like me, I start reading the Bible, and then an email comes through, and a text message comes through, and then a reel comes, and then, you know, and then you're lost, okay? So physical Bible. Do we have a physical Bible? Okay? Then, real easily, I want to see if our kids remember it. What do we need to study the Bible? We need a plan, place, and a time, okay? So... We have to find a time that works for us. A lot of you guys like to do it in the morning. Listen, I don't know if I love Jesus in the morning yet, so, like, I can't do it in the morning, okay? You might like those hours. I don't do it in the morning, okay? So you have to, you have to figure out a time that you like to do it, okay, that works for you. What works for you? Okay, you have to have a time. You have to have a place, Okay, if it's like Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, what, like you have a schedule, you have a, you have a time and a place. And here's something. I hear this from people all the time. I don't like to read and I don't have time. Okay, someone asked me once, I said, I don't have time, I'm so busy. Just let me see your phone. I want to see how much time you spend on your phone. No. I want you to look at my phone, see how much time I spend on my phone. Because we do have time. We make time for things that are important to us. A lot of us have time to read scripture. We just choose to prioritize other things. It doesn't have to be a long time, but you have to make time, okay? And if you don't like to read, and we're not asking you to read fast, take your time. You have all the time, because when you get done with this, you get to the end, you just flip it over, you start over, okay? So like you're always reading. Take your time, okay? If you are a believer in Jesus, we are now readers, okay? So we have to have a time and a place, so maybe it's the coffee shop, maybe it's, I know, in the quarantine, I was in my closet a lot, you know, um, may, you know, maybe it's in the car or during pickup, whatever it is, you have a place. You have a time, you have a place, and you have a plan. There are millions of plans on the Version Bible app that you can get, literally millions. There are millions of plans that you can get that take you through Bible reading, okay? Or maybe just start in the book of John. We tell the kids, start in the book of John. That's where I always tell people, start in the book of John. It's a great place to start. It tells us a lot about who Jesus is. Or if you want to get a win and finish something, like go to like Philemon or like Jude or something, this short book in the New Testament. And remember, we're not afraid of what? Table of contents. Okay, if you don't know where it is, 
Look at the table of contents and you'll find it, okay? So, you know, we have to have just these logistical things. And as we're reading in our time and our place and our plan, we're asking ourselves some questions. We're saying, okay, what is this telling me about God? What is this telling me about me or humanity? What is this? Am I seeing a command to follow? Am I seeing um, an example to follow, a promise to believe, a sin to recognize? What am I seeing? How do I apply this to my daily life? And what questions do I have? And we're writing those things down. I looked in um, my very first Bible I ever got, and I had tons of question marks next to things. things I needed to go Google, honestly. That's what I did for a while. And as you pray and as you begin to pray, it's a conversation with God. It doesn't have to be a thing. It's just a conversation. And there's lots of ways to pray and lots of types of prayers, but I think we get it so messed up. It is a conversation where you can tell him anything, ask him anything, say anything. And lastly, as we are studying and going through the Bible, find someone, find another person. One of the greatest gifts I ever had was a woman coming alongside me to help me read the Bible. I got baptized in someone's pool, backyard pool. There was a lady that was there from our church that was watching the baptisms. A couple weeks later, she said, how are you doing reading your Bible? I was like, oh, Google a lot, mostly Google, a little Bible. She was like, you want to read the Bible together? Okay. And so we just started meeting, having coffee, breakfast, and we just started meeting. And she'd be like, hey, what are you reading in the Bible? What's it telling you about God? What's it doing in your life? How is it impacting you? She was just asking me questions. She wasn't giving me any answers. She was just asking me questions. But she saw a young believer, and she decided to take my eternity personally and came alongside me. I'll never, ever be able to thank her enough for what she did for me. And because someone did that for her, she did that for me, and then I, in turn, did that for others. And people that I did that for are now doing that for others, and there's a ripple effect of discipleship that has happened because of her saying, hey, let's read the Bible together. So it, when we study and, and we pray, it can be intimidating, but it doesn't have to be. We just start. We just start. And I pray that as a church, we're so committed to the word. We're so committed to prayer, so faithful in it, that it consumes our entire life. And our communities look different because of what you are doing in those pre-Jesus hours in the morning or at night or in the carpool lane or whatever. You know, it's if we can be... a a community that has our identities rooted in Christ because of the truth that we understand from God's word, we will see generation after generation changed by the hope of Jesus. Because when you interact with who God is, it changes everything. And it is undeniable how it changes our identity. As we close today, I just want to pray um, for us and um, just I know that sometimes we talk about reading the Bible and, and praying and things like that, and um, we think it's like this, it can be overwhelming. I will just tell you that if you just have a time, a place, a plan, and just give yourself a chance, 
what God will do through that is amazing. It really is amazing. And pray with me. Father, I